40 lives are going to be changed for rarely ever. In your bulletin this morning is an insert that looks like this. I'd encourage you to take it out and read it carefully so you don't miss out on anything that it says. So often we see inserts, if I don't have kids in high school or if I don't have kids in junior high or ministries that we have here, kind of ignore it. But boy, I'd encourage you to read all of this. We're hoping that 40 students from our high school department this summer can have an experience that really does have the opportunity to change their lives for a lifetime. We need $36,000 to be able to do that. If you could help us out, we would love that by the end of the year. Every February, we take an adult trip, and then every three years, a senior high trip. And this is that year for that. And so please read this carefully. If you can help us out by the end of the year, that'd be awesome. But I guarantee you, they won't regret it ever. And you may not know until you get to heaven the impact you had by your willingness to participate, but I guarantee you, it can really change their lives. How many are coming on Christmas Eve? Really, not all of you are? You don't want to miss it. I guarantee you, it will blow your mind from beginning to end. And we'd love to have you here. How many are going to come at 3? 4.45. 6.30. Perfect. It's balanced out even all the way across. We really have no idea. We have people get upset with us when we do tickets. We're probably going to have somebody upset with us this year because we're not doing tickets. So primarily we have somebody upset with us every year, which is just one of those things we deal with. But overall, 98% are going to be really satisfied. I just encourage you to come and be a part of it. For the 3 o'clock service, the doors won't open until 2.20 just for us to be able to prepare on this side in preparation for that. So we don't want you to be uptight out there. And I also want to remind you that if you come at 3 o'clock or 4.45 and say, could we have seating for 8, please, it won't happen. It just won't happen. It will be filled. We'll have seats for about 1,000 in each service, as we'll also have an overflow room that will have a live video feed for this. We would love to have you here. I guarantee you it will be an amazing night. I look forward to this. Probably of all the services that we do, I look forward to the Christmas Eve experience almost as much as anything that we do here at Community Alliance Church. Let's suppose this morning was name tag Sunday. And I ask you to put a name tag. Oh, that was last week's. Oh, sorry about that. If I took a survey this morning and asked you, what is your favorite part of the Christmas experience? I got to believe that we would have a lot of answers. Some of us, it would be the lights. For those of us who put them up, it's not. It's not my favorite part. I still do not understand how I can buy a brand new set and only half of it lights up. And it's not like they're plugged together. It's the same half. How is one half lit and the other half not? And then you get up on the roof. Everything looked fine when you plugged it into the garage. And then you get up on the roof. You have it all done. You finally have it done. You put the ladder away and you plug it in and only half of them still light up. I don't understand that. I remember in Cowdersport one time putting the lights up and I forgot when Cowdersport... The, the winter arrives somewhere in October, and it leaves in April. I remember the first year my wife said, where on earth did you bring me? And it was like that all the time. I went up and put the lights up, and I said, I just want you to know I'm going to be on the roof today. You don't have to worry about anything, which is a famous last word. You don't have to worry about anything. She's in a restroom that it is downstairs cleaning the mirror off because we had company coming in a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, she saw me just la fall right, I mean, literally look in the mirror, look out, and there's a window, and I'm gone. Like this. Fortunately, I fell in the bush. From that moment on, I still have not liked putting up Christmas lights. I love to look at them. I don't like doing them. For others of us, it's the family gatherings, the ugly sweater parties that nobody likes. 
family traditions, kids coming home for Christmas or coming home from that job. They've been away for a long period of time. Now all of a sudden they're here. And then, of course, you know the favorite part of the Christmas experience is what? The Hallmark Christmas movies, right? I mean, that's the favorite part of Christmas. The ha- you can watch them from November on, every week, every day if you want to. The gifts that you get to buy, the gifts that you receive. Now, I know on Christmas morning, you're going to have all those little angels light up like a Christmas tree when they get that very first gift. And the bigger, the better, and, and, and the list gets endless. And the more you go, the first one is amazing, then the second one, then it, it's incredible. But I, I had a video sent to me a couple of weeks ago of a little girl who opened up. Oh, I just won't tell you about it. Watch it. And then just ask yourself, do you think your little cherubs will respond this way? I got something for you. What is it? Open it. You get to open it. Something very special. Pull on this right here. Pull this on here. Right? Yours will react that way, right? I love the Christmas experiences where a soldier comes home for the holidays and surprises his family. You already know that I'm emotional like you can't even believe, but when I watch those of that soldier who's finally returned for the male or the female who now is coming to surprise his kids, one dressed up the other day as Santa Claus in a setting of some kind, and they asked the little boy, what's your favorite thing? What do you want more than anything else? And he said, I want my daddy to come home. And then all of a sudden, the hat came off and the beard came off, and I'm a puddle on the floor, <laughs> as you can well imagine. I even love the Folgers commercial, right? <laughs> and I drink Maxwell House Master Blend. <laughs> In case if any of you want to buy the one-pound can for me for Christmas. I, but you watch those commercials and you thought, okay, seriously, is there any other season of the year that brings so much emotion as this particular season of the year? I think you know me well enough to know that probably out of all the things that I love about Christmas, I love the music the best. I love the songs that we sing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to tag along with the Upstreet families who caroled at some of the assisted living places around at Sunnyview, and a number of us gathered around the tree and and began to say, share, and, and, and I, 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 we sang for over an hour, up and down, everywhere we could go, and there was one moment in time, a lot of moments in time, where a lot of people who don't have somebody come on a normal basis, come to visit them, and to sing, and to celebrate with them, but there was one sweet lady that followed us around, almost half of the floor, in a wheelchair, and she just kept singing and clapping, and her feet wasn't in those, uh, those pads that go like this. She could touch the floor, and she just literally followed us around everywhere. And I thought, oh, God, for these little songs that we've sang now 22 times, up and down the stairs and in and out the hall, all the way over the place, and that brought so much unbelievable joy to this lady. It took my breath away. I love the music. 
Now, of course, if I don't hear Elvis sing Blue Christmas anymore, I'll be okay with that. But otherwise, I love the music. Karen Carpenter's Christmas, right? We all have one of those? I still have it on 8-track. <laughs> little thing like this, and then there's a cassette. It's got a roll in it, and then there's this mini little record, and you don't even know what a record is for half of you. Holy Night, First Noel, Mary Did You Know, my favorite version of that is Mark Lowry, who wrote the song. He was part of the Gaither Trio or Gaither Band and the comedian of it all, but he wrote that song, and when you hear him sing it, it's unbelievable. Joy to the World, did you know that Joy to the World was not written as a Christmas song? You know what it was written for? Second Coming of Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He shall reign, he shall rule. No mention of shepherds, wise men, the rendition out of Psalm 98. When Isaac Watts wrote it years and years ago, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Now it's appropriate when we sing it on Christmas, but it's also an unbelievable moment in time. As excited as we are about this particular moment in time, for those of us who know Christ is our Savior, we'll even be more excited when the King of kings and the Lord of lords returns and reigns forever and ever and ever. And everything we've ever sung or listened to when the Messiah is done will become reality. Unbelievable. Do you ever wonder what it was like on that first Christmas night? Before it was even called Christmas, they had no traditions per se like we do, no Christmas music to set the tone. We may be dreaming of a white Christmas, but I doubt if they were. I've often wondered what it was like that silent night. And was it even silent? It was certainly holy, but was it really silent? The first verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem gives some clues about that particular night. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That's the sermon title this morning. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee. What do you think that meant to them? What do you think were their hopes? What maybe their fears? To be honest with you, I doubt if they were a whole lot different than ours. I mean, what are some of your hopes? Stay healthy? Financial security, good friends, finish well. 63 years old, that's one of my grandest hopes is that I finish well. I love what I do. I love what I've been doing. Last Sunday morning was one of the highlights of my ministry life, and I love that. And I want to keep going. I want to finish really well. And i got to believe that those of us who are 60 and beyond also feel the same. I really do want to finish well. I want to make sure that my kids know Jesus. I say it every year on Father's Day to my kids, and, and I tell them, don't get me anything. I've often wondered if your parents tell you, don't get anything, don't get us anything because we have everything, so you don't get anything because they have everything, and then you really don't get them anything. What will they say? I say to my kids every year, the greatest highlight of my life is to know that my girls love Jesus. They married boys who love Jesus, and they're raising kids who love Jesus. There's not one other thing I ever need on Christmas or Father's Day but to know that. And for all of us who are in here this morning who are raising kids or raising grandkids, i got to believe that that's one of our dreams, that our kids know Jesus, and they're passing on to the next generation what it's like to know Jesus. One of the greatest experiences of, of my life is when my kids accepted Christ as Savior more than anything else in life. That was a highlight of life. And then when I know that my grandkids know Jesus and are following Him and are singing songs and sitting in church today, 
And I also know that there's not everybody in the church that can say the same. We've got kids, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, who aren't connected to God, who aren't even connected to them. And wish more than anything else they could be together on Christmas Eve, but they know it's not going to happen. And many times spend a, a, a quiet moment wishing it was. And so for those of us who have that and have those experiences, man, I hope you know how unbelievably blessed you are. And when you sit around that tree on Saturday night or Sunday morning or we're celebrating Christmas Tuesday morning, whatever that may be, it doesn't really matter. But when you do it together as a family, it's incredible. Pray for those who aren't doing that because not everybody can. What are your fears? If I were to ask you this morning what some of your fears were, they would be not finishing well. Maybe not having good health, debt, war, sickness, job loss, the uncertainty of life. A lot of those that we could mention here this morning. And i got to believe that those who were there that night, those shepherds in Bethlehem, were probably thinking some of the same things. They want to be able to get through life. They want to be secure. They want to have some stability in life. And i I got to believe they wondered about some of the same things. The instability of life. How long can we do this? Certainly taxes in the economy for them was incredible overbearing weight. Their greatest hope for those of us in the Jewish nation and those in the Jewish nation at that particular time is that the Messiah would come. They waited for century after century after century. That was the one dream of every Jewish boy. That was the one dream of every Jewish dad. That was the one dream of every Jewish family that during their lifetime the Messiah would come. They'd heard about it, they talked about it, they prayed for it, they waited for it, and yet he hadn't come. And I got to believe that one of their greatest hopes was, we'll live long enough for the Messiah to come to us, to our generation. Everything we've waited for, everything we prayed for, everything we hoped for. And that this Messiah would rescue them from one of their greatest fears. The Romans and their leaders. I want to talk this morning about three kings. Not the three kings from We Three Kings of Orient are. You probably, I'm sure, have heard me say this before if you've been around long enough to know that they probably weren't kings. They probably weren't from the Orient, more likely from Persia. And there may have been more than three, but the we part of that song is biblically correct. But it's not those three. It's three that are found in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. Caesar Augustus, Herod, and Jesus. First one is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. King James Version said a census of all the inhabited world. Do you know why? Because basically, he ruled the entire inhabited world. From Europe to Asia, the guy was power personified. The world was his, and if it got bigger, he wanted it. And he would go after it by crushing anything that got in his way. One of the fears on that Christmas night, one of the fears they had was Caesar Augustus. The other king is found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, King Herod. Matthew 2, 1 said, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Herod was the Roman king sent to rule over Israel. When Jesus was born, the world at that time was under the rule of the Roman Empire, historically, possibly the greatest single empire in the history of the world. Augustus Caesar over it all, Herod assigned to rule over Israel. The splendor and dominance of the Roman Empire were overwhelming. They grew incredibly large through sheer power, force, and total domination. Roman historians say that their intentions really were to dominate the entire 
world at that time. One of the amazing contrasts of why we celebrate Christmas and why it's so incredibly special and why the Messiah is such an unbelievable song comes right here at that point. You see, many of the kings of the world get their power through takings. But God, the true king who really did have all the power, gave what he had away. We read all the sections of Scripture during Christmas out of Luke and Matthew. There's one that we very seldom read at Christmas time that really is a Christmas story or a Christmas section of Scripture. It's out of Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, or as one version says, to held on to so tightly. He made himself nothing. He gave it all away. He took on the very nature of a servant was made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient, not just obedient to death, but death on the cross. Rome took everything by force and wanted more. Jesus had everything and gave it away. That was a world Jesus was born into, which gives a little bit of an insight as to the hopes and fears of all the years. Rome is ruled by a number of Caesars, the most famous, of course, Julius Caesar. Augustus Caesar, referred to here in Luke chapter 2, was related to him. He had the world under his control. One king, one kingdom without end. Think again of the Messiah. King of kings, Lord of lords, what? Forever and ever and ever. Caesar thought that about his kingdom, but it didn't last past two centuries. The Messiah, who still, by the way, is king of kings, now has gone on for over two millenniums. In Luke chapter 2, Caesar thinks he's the center of attention. Today, he's nothing more than a memory of history. And the real king of kings is the center of history. I mean, think about it. He is the hinge point of all human history. Everything before Christ was what? B.C., before Christ. Everything after Christ, Anadomini, in the year of our Lord. The hinge point of history. The phrase of the day was, Caesar is Lord. It was said about him that salvation is found in no one else but Caesar, for there's no other name by which men will be saved, but saved to them meant be kept alive. When Peter made a very similar statement in the book of Acts, verse 12, he said this under trial, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Stating that about Jesus right in defiance of the Caesars of his day. Caesar is dead and only a memory, and for 2,000 years, Christians have been saying, Jesus is Lord. He's the one Peter referred to, that salvation comes through him and him alone. Caesar and Herod accumulated everything by heavy taxation. Over 70%, some say, of their income went to taxes. Jesus came into a world of despair and poverty. To understand the Christmas story, you've got to understand how desperate they were to be rescued. We want everything to happen to us. We want it in our lifetime. We want the world to go better. There's no way that you can possibly fully grasp what it was like to be there at that particular moment on that Christmas night when they so desperately wanted to be rescued. And then the Messiah came. In the midst of all that hopelessness, God sent an angel to a young Jewish girl named Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. The town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a 
man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Then look at this phrase. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. At the edge of a small town, the power and right in the middle of the power of all the Caesars around her, Mary sings a song. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. Jesus came not to take life, but to give life. One of my favorite songs is really, Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will walk, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy was the Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby is the heaven's perfect lamb, the sleeping child you're holding now is the great I am? I really do think she knew. The Caesars and Herods of the day thought they had all the power, but a 16-year-old girl reminds them of who has the real power. Herod, who lived in a palace, couldn't sleep at all when he found out about the birth of Jesus. And the real king of kings, born in a stable, sleeps like a baby. King Jesus came not to take life, but to give life, his own, so that you and I could have life forever. One king dominated the world with fear and intimidation. One king ruled with taxation and grabbing everything for himself. And one king came to give his life away. Augustus Caesar. Herod's kingdom, gone. Jesus' kingdom, alive forever and ever and ever. Amen. What are your hopes? What are your fears? You know what they are from both ends. But I'm telling you, that same Jesus that came that night in the midst of all of their hopes and fears is the same Jesus we come and celebrate year after year after year. And now in my case, over 50 of them, and I love it. That the God of the universe loved me and you so much that he gave his life so that we could have life forever. We really can't separate the Christmas story from the Easter celebration. They, they go together, they're intertwined. But the God of the universe so saw our desperate state that he came himself, gave up all the splendor and majesty of heaven. I don't know if you know what it's like to be in the most amazing place on earth. And then have to leave it to go back to a normal setting. I can't even fathom what it was like to be in heaven. But to give it all up. To come and live like you and I. So that he could understand and we could understand. What God is really like. And then to give his life so that we can have life for all eternity. Christmas story and the Easter celebration are intertwined. But the God of the universe gave his life so that we could have life forever. Every time we celebrate communion here, we are reminded of the upper room setting with Jesus and his disciples. Lord Jesus, the very night he was betrayed, took bread. He blessed it and broke it and said, this is where you're going to get life. They've heard a lot of different places that they get life and energy from, but he is saying it's only really in me. i got to believe that a lot of people you work with and are around you will find life over the next few weeks in a hundred different things. 
celebrations, gifts, the experiences of being together and really not even remembering some of them and think that will bring them life. But real life is only found in him and him alone. After he gave them the bread and said, this is where you're going to get life, he shared and passed around a cup. He said, this is an honor of forgiveness. No longer does the sacrifice that we mentioned a few weeks ago of any animal having to be spared or shared or given so that your sins could be forgiven. I will give my life so that your sins can be washed away and cast away as far as the east is from the west. And so every time we hold these elements in our hands, we're reminded of where we get life. We're reminded of his grace and forgiveness. He goes on in that story in Corinthians to say, before you eat the bread or drink the cup, you ought to look inside. Make sure that everything is clear between you and Jesus. And so he said, before you do either one of these two things, reflect. Last Sunday morning, we gave you the opportunity to respond in some way or the other to things that are holding you back. Things that you've held on to for a long period of time or just some areas of your life that seem to be dragging along with you everywhere you go. Or maybe some things that you're participating in now that you just want to get rid of. And last Sunday morning, the majority of you responded in that way. Today is a moment when you look at these two elements to celebrate what that meant. To no longer have to carry that around. To know that what he offered us, he offered to all of us forgiveness and grace and a brand new start. So when you hold these elements this morning and you think back to what you talked about last week between you and Jesus, man, celebrate it like crazy as you hold these elements. And to make sure that there's nothing between you and him as we celebrate it together. Here at Community Alliance, everybody is free to partake. If you know Christ is your Savior, you're free to share. If you don't know him as your Savior, you can do that today. Because he came for you. He came for me. And he offers us life forever. It's a matter of admitting your sin, acknowledge him as Savior, and invite him into your life. And then you're free to partake. Don't have to go through a class. You don't have to do anything else before, but just know Christ is your Savior and then share. What you'll notice is in the tray is the bread in the middle and the cups on the side. And so it's all passed in one particular experience. So help the person beside you and take them both and then hold on to them for a moment. And then I'll come back and we're going to share them together. Christmas story and Easter story is the most powerful events in the history of humanity. And it's for all to celebrate it. Gentlemen, if you'll come and serve our people.
that taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is a brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we've led His holy name, Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory. the side notes to being a pastor in a church for a long period of time is you get to every once in a while see a second generation of communion servers serve. And I just noticed that this morning. So for those of you who know your kids know Christ and are following Jesus, man, you've got a gift from God. Father, we could never thank you enough for your amazing grace. No matter how many times we sing the song, it's one of the most unbelievable nights that we could ever imagine that you gave up your life and your all so that we could have life and have it forever. So on this morning, we celebrate that holy night and we're just honored and thrilled to be able to know that the God of the universe loved us this much that he gave us all so that we could have life and have it forever. Your kingdom will reign forever and ever and ever. And so in that name, Share together.
you sing with us, O Holy Night? stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and never pining till he appeared and the soul forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve as we celebrate that holy night. God bless you. Have an amazing day. See you next week.